In Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 1 through 13 tonight, but we're only going to read verses 1 through 3 right now. But just keep your uh, Bibles open in Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll be uh, referencing that several times tonight. Nehemiah chapter 8, chapter 8, reading verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah 8, 1 through 3. Starting in verse 1, the Bible says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man, into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday, before the men and the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for today. Thank you for all those that are here tonight, Lord. And thank you for being able to study your word and, and learn from your word tonight, Lord. And just uh, uh, please just uh, use me tonight, Lord, and speak through me. And just help me say what you want me to say tonight, Lord. In the name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Uh, earlier, I think it was uh, Thursday, I think it was this week, I had my birthday. I was turning a certain age on my birthday. And I'm... I'm going to uh, talk about my wife here just for a minute. I was, uh, and Michael knows what I'm going to say. I was turning 43 on Thursday, and I think I got home from work Wednesday, and I happened to notice that my wife had bought, you know, those wax little numbers you put on the cakes, and she had bought a four and a two. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, she's, I'm turning 43, and she bought a four and a two. Does she not know how old I am? And I'm thinking, could, should I play along with this and just be a year younger for the rest of my life? I'm, I was contemplating all this, and then I happened to ask, are we celebrating I'm going to no longer be 42, or am I going to be 43? And she had no idea I was turning 43. So the title of our message out of the last part of verse 3, it says, And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people, here's our title, were attentive unto the book of the law. Attentive unto the book. Nehemiah chapter, or chapter 3 verse 8 shows the great zeal the people of God had to hear the word of God. They wanted to hear the word of God. It says, from the morning until midday. In the Hebrew, this means from the light. That is, from the light in the morning for until about noon. So they wanted to hear the preaching. For, they heard the preaching for like five or six hours that day. Charles Haddon Spurgeon commented on this text, referencing uh, well his time, which we can apply to our time, and about this text. He said, they were, not wearied, they were not wearied with five or six hours devotion, whereas in these times there is much complaint if the service lasts longer than an hour and a half. They were anxious. They were wanting five to six hours of church service, five, six hours of preaching and teaching. And it says, nowadays, an hour and a half, people are getting wearied. So Ezra... Ezra was the ideal man to conduct this outdoor Bible study. For Ezra tells us, the Bible tells us in Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 that he had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra had come to Jerusalem about 14 years prior to Nehemiah and he had already been seeking to bring people back to the Lord. Another interesting note about this passage is the location that was selected for this gathering. We read here that there was this location that was selected was the water gate. In the Bible, water for washing is a picture of the Word of God. John chapter 15, 3, and then we read here in Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. And water for drinking is a picture of the Spirit of God. We find that in John chapter 7. So when we apply the water of the Word of God to our lives, 
It is then that the Spirit of God can do his work to bring that thirst-quitching living water that we need. Revelation 2.29 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So we need to have attentive ears unto the Word of God. We need to be attentive unto the book. We need to have attentive ears to the teaching of the Word of God. We need to have attentive ears to the preaching of the Word of God. If you're right with the Lord, there should be a sense of excitement, a sense of earnestness about learning from the Word of God, about hearing the preaching, hearing the teaching from the Word of God. There should be a desire to learn more about God each and every day. We should all be attentive unto the book. If we only had the proper comprehension of what the Bible and what the Bible really is, what the Bible, what the Bible, the, the author of the Bible, what the Bible is all about, we would be attentive to the book. We hold in our hands, we hold in our hands the living word of the living God, the all-powerful, all-sufficient word of God, of the all-powerful, all-sufficient word of the omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent God. That's what our Bible is. So if we'd only truly grasp that, if we truly grasp that, truly understood that, in the entirety of that statement, we truly grasped that, truly understood that, there would be no reason for any of us not to be attentive unto the book. We'd all be very attentive on the book if we truly grasped that, understood that thought. So we can't in our lives, sometimes we can get too busy, too much of in a hurry, too many things going on, too many of this, too many of that. We're just too busy running here and there. And sometimes the attentive ears fall off for the Word of God. That is when we need to take a few minutes, prioritize some things in our life, figure out what is really important, Make that the important thing. Make that the priority in your life. So we always need to make sure we are being attentive unto the book. So we're going to look at some characteristics of being attentive unto the book tonight. Look at some of the characteristics of people, of, of a people of, that are attentive unto the book. First point tonight is they were anxious to hear the word of God. They were anxious to hear the word of God. You look back at Nehemiah 8 and verse 1. It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. They went and got God's man and said, come on, bring the Bible. Let's get going. We're going to hear some preaching. We're going to hear some teaching. They were eager to hear the word of God and to learn the word of God. Ezra brought out the book of God and started teaching and preaching to them on what was in the setting of this day. This, this day in the Jewish year would be the equivalent of New Year's Day for us. It was what their New Year's Day was. It would be the equivalent. We could relate that to our New Year's Day. So this is, they wanted the very first day of what they would consider their New Year's Day. They wanted to have a long preaching service. They wanted to learn about the Word of God. So they started off their new year with a large and long gathering dedicated to the reading of and learning of the Word of God. It was a perfect time for God's people back then to get right with Him and to make new and fresh beginning with the Lord. It's a perfect time for God's people still today to get right with Him make a new and fresh beginning with the Lord. We too should be anxious to hear the Word of God. We should be anxious to hear it preached, anxious to hear it taught. We should be anxious to learn of it, anxious to read of it, anxious to learn from the Word of God. We should be anxious to start anew and fresh with the Lord. We should take the time of the new year to make decisions, to make new decisions for the Lord, to rededicate old decisions for the Lord. If we have slipped up in decision or slipped up in a certain area in our life, the new year is the perfect time to make that fresh decision, to make that decision anew. We need to decide today to dedicate this year, 2017, to the Lord, getting right with the Lord. If we're right with the Lord, staying right with the Lord. We need to dedicate this new year to the Lord like the, like the people did here at Ezra or Nehemiah chapter 8. We should be anxious and we should be getting excited about the Word of God, about hearing preaching, hearing preaching from the Word of God, drawing closer to the Word of God. We should want to draw closer to the Word of God in our personal relationship with Him. 
John 1, 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So when we're drawing closer to the Word of God, we're drawing closer to God. We draw closer to the Word of God, we're drawing closer to Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. So we draw closer to the Word of God, we're drawing closer to God. So we need to be anxious about learning the Word of God. Now I've seen examples of people being anxious about other things. If we could be that anxious about other things, we, need to be, we should be that anxious about the Word of God. Now, we had two very anxious little ones to get presents a few days ago. Very anxious. They wanted to get those presents. That's how anxious and excited we should be about wanting to dig into the Bible. I mean, they were just, they, they were beside themselves, just couldn't wait to start ripping open presents and get into those presents. This is a present. This is a treasure. We need to be just as anxious and just as excited about digging into this as they were about digging into those presents. So we need to be excited. I mean, I was thinking about an example of anxiousness, thinking about excitement. I just kept thinking about uh, Adrian and uh, Ava, just how excited they were over all that. Why can't we get that excited about God? Why can't we get that excited about the Word of God, about digging in, about reading it, about studying it? Next point tonight is they were attentive to the reading and preaching of the Word of God. They were attentive to the reading and preaching of the Word of God. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, And he read therein before the street, that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. They were attentive to the reading. They were attentive to the preaching of the word of God. Now notice in verse 4, the location the word of God was read from and preached from. It says, And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they made for the purpose. So even today, Preaching, teaching from the Word of God is done from a pulpit of wood made for that purpose. We had a father and son make a pulpit of wood made for that purpose for our church right here. Back in that time, they were still making pulpits of wood made for that purpose of preaching and teaching from the Word of God. So this is nothing new. We're following centuries of examples or thousands of years of examples of preaching from the Word of God from a pulpit. Next one. We need to have a spirit of attentiveness about us to the Word of God. We need to guard against the spirit of apathy. And seek to be the exact opposite. To me, the kids getting excited about Christmas, the exact opposite of apathy. I mean, if they, they weren't, didn't care about the presents, they would sit around, wouldn't be worried about it, wouldn't care about, ah, I'll open it if I open it, I don't open it, it doesn't matter. That's apathy. We need to be excited, anxious about it, not have an apathetic attitude about it. I've seen too many people from one point be excited about the Word of God in their life, and then they drift off and they be very apathetic to the Word of God in their life. I've seen many examples I've seen... Uh, people I've gone to church with or people that have been in, not necessarily this church, but in classes I've taught in different places, they were at one time excited, and now they're very apathetic about the Word of God. We need to make sure we're not losing that excitement. If you sense you're losing that excitement, do everything you can to get that excitement back. That excitement never should leave us. We should never lose that excitement, that anxiousness about the Word of God. So we need to have that spirit of attentiveness about us, about the Word of God. We need to guard against the spirit of apathy, Luke 19.48 says, And could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Notice the attentiveness of the people there to Christ. Are you attentive to Christ? Are you interested in learning more about Jesus? If not, make that decision and termination in your life today to be more attentive to Christ, to want to learn more about his word. We need to make sure we are giving the, pro- the proper time and attention to the things that are important in our life. Get our priorities straight. Get everything in order. Make the important things important and make the unimportant things unimportant. 
And the most important thing in our life is our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What's one way we can make sure this relationship is going right? One way, by being attentive unto the book. What is a good barometer to check on how our relationship is going with Christ? By how attentive or inattentive we are to the book. Do you pick up your Bible on Sundays or do you pick up your Bible every day? How attentive are you to the book? That is a good barometer to check how attentive you are to Christ. A good barometer to check on how your relationship with the Lord is going and how attentive you are to the book. I, have, I, I was trying to find an illustration to kind of uh, go along with this message, and I found this one. I really liked it. So, A man once found himself with too many commitments in too few days. He got nervous and tense about it. He was snapping to his wife and snapping to his children choking down his food at mealtimes, and feeling irritated if one little thing, one interruption, knocked him off schedule. Before long, things around his home started reflecting this pattern, this pattern of a hurry-up lifestyle. Became unbearable to him, became unbearable to his family. Well, one evening after supper, his youngest daughter came up to him, and he could tell she wanted to tell him something that she thought was very important that happened to her. But she knew Dad was always in a hurry. She knew she had to, there was no time. Dad always didn't have time. He always said later, oh, no time, I'm too busy right now. So she's like, she knew she, in her mind, I have to hurry, and I have to hurry up and tell Daddy this. So she said, Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I'll tell you really fast. Because she's already t- letting her dad know, I know you're busy. I know you're too busy for me, but I'm going to tell you really fast. And then suddenly, the man realized this isn't right. He realized her frustration and answered her, and he said, Honey, you can tell me, and you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. Then his daughter's response, he said, he would never forget. His daughter said, well then, Daddy, listen slowly. Sometimes we get in too much of a hurry. Sometimes we don't have the time that we put the priorities in a wrong place. We're too much in a hurry. We've got to keep our schedule. We've got to get our checklist done. We've got to get this, 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 this done. And we neglect the most important things in our life, our family, our God, our relationship with God. Those are neglected. We need to learn to listen slowly. Listen to our family slowly. Listen to that still small voice slowly. Pick up the Bible, start reading it, absorbing it. Listen to God slowly. Don't be in a hurry with the important things. So do we hurry through our Bible reading and not have the attentive ears to God when he's trying to teach us or show us something? Do we always want church service to hurry up and get over, which might happen tonight? Do we always want church service to hurry up and get over? If so, you need to learn to listen slowly. Make the important things important and learn to listen slowly. Don't let God get your attention. You don't let God get your attention at all. We need to start listening slowly. Maybe you're too busy for Sunday school, you think. Too busy for Wednesday evenings. Too busy to go to the altar during the invitation because that might delay you a couple minutes in getting home that afternoon. We need to practice having attentive ears and practice listening slowly and carefully to God. Slowly and carefully to his word. Slowly and carefully to the teaching and preaching of his word. Slowly and carefully to that still small voice. Take the time for the things that are important. Take the time for Sunday school. Take the time for Wednesday night. Take the time to go to the altar. Take the time for the things that are important. Next point is all showed proper respect for the word of God. They all showed proper respect for the word of God. Look at verse 5. Nehemiah 8 verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people... For he was above all the people, and when he opened it, watch what the people did. All the people stood up. He opened the word of God, and the whole congregation stood up when he opened the word of God. Notice the reverence and the respect the people showed for the word of God. That's lacking a lot today. I don't see all the reverence and respect for the word of God that needs to be there. 
I don't see all that. Re- I, I mean, when I was a child, it seemed like there was much more respect shown to God, much more respect shown to the Bible than there is now. Even in secular situations, they would show a form of respect to God, a form of respect to the Bible. I just don't see that much anymore. But that should still be. We need to show that reverence and that deep respect to God and His Word. Now, this practice, they said, and the very reading of it, they all stood up. This is a practice a lot of churches, a lot of God-fearing people still do today. We just stood up for the reading of God's Word. That shows a proper respect and proper awe of the Word of God, that we stood up for the reading of it. And we find that millennia ago, they were standing up for the reading of God's Word, and we're standing up for the reading of God's Word. They were preaching God's Word from a pulpit made of wood for that purpose. We're preaching God's Word from a pulpit made of wood for that purpose. Hasn't varied all that much. They stood because they knew they would not just, and this is the important part, they knew they would not just be hearing a mere man speak, but they would be hearing the very living word of the very omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God. They knew they would be hearing from God, hearing God's word, the living word from our living, all-powerful God. That's why they stood up. They didn't stand up just for the mere man speaking about it. They stood up for the fact that he was going to be speaking about God's word. They're going to be hearing God's word expounded upon. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. We need to receive it as the word of God because it is the word of God. We need to have that proper respect. Notice the next thing to occur after Ezra opened the word of God. To read it to the people, the very next thing, it says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Nehemiah 8.6 Ezra and all the people prayed to God and praised Him. They stood at the opening of the Word of God, they preached it from a pulpit, and they prayed after they read the Word of God. It sounds very familiar. Christians today in general need to show more respect for the Word of God. We have a command to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, 1 Timothy 4.13. Give attendance, give attention to the reading, give attention to the exhortation, give atten- attention to the doctrine of the Word of God, 1 Timothy 4.13. Yet not many people give attention to the reading. Not many people give attention to the exhortation. Not many people give attention to the doctrine. Not that many people make it a practice to be attentive to the book. We need to be attentive to the book. You wonder how the Spirit of God feels when he sees you use your Bible as a portable filing cabinet. You got this note, this announcement, this in here, you got it. It's a, it's a filing cabinet. I keep everything I need in there. Then I'll set it down on the shelf, and then next Sunday I'll pick it up, and I'll have everything I need. How do you think the Word of God feels when we just use it as a filing cabinet? We just stick things in there, and we never really, never really read it much. I'll stick it right there to be there next Sunday. I'll pick it up. I'll go to church, and I might have to throw away the old bulletin, stick the new bulletin in there, and then I'll file it away for another week, and then we're good to go. That's not how it's supposed to be. That Bible should be wearing out quickly. We should be digging in there. We should be reading it. It shouldn't be just a portable filing cabinet. A lot of Christians today, this is another thing I've noticed, a lot of Christians today will defend the Bible. They'll defend the Bible as the Word of God. I'll see them post things on Facebook. Defending the Bible, it's the Word of God. But they don't act like they think it's the Word of God. They'll say it's the Word of God, they'll defend it the Word of God, but they really, really, truly believe and grasp that thought that it is the Word of God. It wouldn't just be sitting there. They'd be picking it up, they'd be digging into it, they'd be reading it, they'd be studying it. They'd be attentive to the book instead of just letting it sit there. So a lot of Christians say they, say they believe the Bible is the Bible, they'll defend that, but they don't, they don't act like they believe it. I have another quote here, it says, uh, We are in too big of a hurry to have the meeting end. 
uh, in some parts of the world, especially in Eastern Europe, before the collapse of the communist bloc, believers would stand for hours in crowded churches to hear Bible teaching. In the average Western church, the shorter the sermon, the better we like it. That's a quote I read in the commentaries I was getting ready for this. They would stand for hours, longing to hear more preaching, more teaching. And it says in the average Western church, the shorter the sermon, the better we like it. Next point, active explanation of the Word of God occurred. Notice an active explanation of the Word of God occurred. Look at verse 8 again, then we're going to look at the first part of verse 9. So they read in the book of the law of God, notice that word, distinctly, distinctly, and gave the sense, they explained it, and caused them to understand the reading, expounded upon it. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, distinctly. Ezra and the others knew the word of God took time, and they took time to teach the rest of those that didn't know it as well about the word of God. God needs those that have a knowledge of the word of God to teach others his word. We all need to be teaching and sharing his word with someone. We all have someone in our sphere of influence that knows less about the Bible than we do, and we can teach them what we know about the Bible. We should be trying to impart the knowledge of God, trying to share things about God. Some situations are more difficult to share things about God at work. Sometimes it's very difficult to do that. You don't want to do anything that's going to jeopardize your job. don't want to do anything that's going to go against that. But you can always find that window of opportunity on a break, something like that, to share the Word of God. So notice the word distinctly. And verse 8 means God's Word was explained to the people in a way they could understand it. Not just enough to read the Word of God to people. But we must also be preached to them, taught to them, explained to them, expounded upon to them, so they can grasp the truth of it in an applicable way to their life. This shows, this verse here, verses 8 and 9, shows the need for Sunday school classes, shows the need for Wednesday night programs, because it was not just the main speaker or preacher, Ezra, that taught the people from the Word of God. It involved a whole team of people that gathered around Ezra to teach the Word of God. It taught the Word of God to the whole congregation, so it needs a team of people to teach the Word of God to the congregation. The Levites assisted Ezra in the teaching of the Word of God to the people because it was their God-given ministry to do so. The Levites helped Ezra teach the Word of God to the people, helped them explain it distinctly, showed them so how they can apply it to their life. They helped them because it was their God-given ministry to do so. We all today have God-given ministries. We all today have God-given gifts the Lord has given us. It is our responsibility to use those gifts. Lord gives all of us a gift, some a gift of teaching, some a gift of encouragement, some against the prayer, some against a gift of service, wanting to do things around a church. It's our responsibility to use those gifts. It's God-given to us. It's our responsibility to use those gifts. Levites, it was their God-given responsibility to help teach the Word of God. They taught the Word of God. We have God-given responsibilities of us. God may give us a talent of singing. We need to be using that. A talent of teaching. We need to be using that. We need to be using our God-given talents for the Lord, our God-given gifts. It's our responsibility to use them for the Lord. So if you've been given a gift of God, of service, you need to be serving, you need to be teaching, if you've been given that gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6 tells us, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. We all have a different gift or gifts that the Lord has given us. It is then our responsibility to use those for His service. You don't learn all you need to learn from the Word of God each week by going just to the preaching services on Sunday, and that's it. You need to come to Sunday school. You need to come to Wednesday night. You need to come to special meetings, come to revivals. We need to be coming. We need to be hearing. We need to be attentive to the book when it's open. 
The book's open. We're supposed to be attentive to the book. Next point is they had an appropriate response to the Word of God. They had an appropriate response to the Word of God. They had tender hearts to God's Word. Notice in verse, the last part of verse 9. This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they had heard the words of the law. Look at the tender-hearted response they had. They heard the book. They heard it preached. They heard it expounded upon. They heard it taught. Their reaction, they wept. They knew they weren't living up to it. They wept. They were that tender-hearted. They were that attentive to the book that when they heard from the book, they wept. They realized they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were eagerly awaiting the preaching and teaching of the word, and they were open and tender-hearted to it. Are you tender-hearted to the Word of God? Or perhaps do you have a heart of stone that you should have, a, but that you could get, but God could give you a tender heart? Do we have that heart of stone? Or are we open? Are we tender to the Word of God? The assembly's response to the Word of God was one of conviction and grief. They were mourning over their sins. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Notice the law gives us a knowledge of sin, but the law cannot save us. It can only convince us, convict us, that we need to be saved, and it can point us to Jesus Christ, the Savior. Galatians 3.24 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The Word of God can bring great conviction to us. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God can bring great conviction. The Word of God can lead us to repentance. Luke 13, 3, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We all need to have that point in our life where we've repented, where we return to God, we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Word of God can show us how we can be cleansed from sin and saved by faith through the death and shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, Romans 5, 8 to 9. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Not through anything we do, through him. We need to pray to the Lord about our responsiveness or lack thereof to the book. Our responsiveness or lack thereof to the preaching. Our responsiveness or lack thereof to the teaching of the word of God. He can help you get rid of that hard heart and he can help replace that hard heart with a soft and tender heart to him. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, now I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. The Lord can take that stony heart, that hard heart away, and give you that soft heart. Why don't you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 1 to 3. But keep your finger there in Nehemiah chapter 8, because we're going right back there after we turn here. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Hebrews 2, 1 to 3. The Bible says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? We need to have an earnestness about our response to the preaching of God's word. We need to have the appropriate response to the preaching of God's word. The Lord is speaking to you through the preaching of his word at church. Come forward. When the invitation is given, come forward. Make that decision. Be attentive to the book. Be attentive to what the book, what the Lord has shown you through the preaching of the book. Be a diligent Christian. Be a serious Christian about your Christian walk. And then the next point is they had it, the last point, they had an attitude of excitement for having learned from the Word of God. They had an attitude of excitement for having learned from the Word of God. Again, I think about 
our, our two little ones over here, that excitement they get, that excitement they get about getting those gifts. Same thing. We need to have that attitude of excitement about what we get from God, an attitude of excitement about what we learn from God. We hear a message that particularly spoke to us. Be excited about it. Tell others about it. Man, that message Pastor preached this morning really got to me. It was great. Let him know. Let others know. Have that excited. Spread that excitement around. Share that excitement about the Word of God. You look at verse 12. It says, And all the people went their way to eat. They sound like they're Baptists. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. They were excited. Great mirth. They had excitement about what they, they had, because they had understood, because the Word of God had spoken to them, because they had grasped the truth from the Word of God. Because by the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, they had got something that they could apply to their life that they could use. They were excited. They were celebratory about learning from the Word of God, about having the book speak to them, about having God speak to them. So you can sense the excitement. You can sense the thankfulness they had to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. They demonstrated an attitude of excitement and thankfulness about the Word of God. Are we demonstrating that attitude of excitement? I know I'm one that kind of is hard to tell if I'm excited or not, but I'm excited. Are we demonstrating that attitude of excitement about the Word of God? I think my wife could tell. You can she'll just ask her. She'll let you know if I'm excited or not. But we need to be demonstrating that attitude of excitement about the Word of God, an attitude of thankfulness about the Word of God. Are we being attentive to the preaching of the book? The Word of God, as it works in our life, brings joy and thankfulness to us. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Psalm 19, 8, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And Psalm 119, Thy testimonies have been taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Are we rejoicing about God, rejoicing about his word, rejoicing about his truths, rejoicing about his statutes. Are we rejoicing about the word of God? What kind of attitude do you demonstrate to those around you about the word of God? Is it an attitude of excitement, an attitude of thankfulness, or is it an attitude of disrespect to the word of God, an attitude of unthankfulness to the word of God, or an attitude of apathy to the word of God? That's one of the worst attitudes I have is a I don't care attitude about the word of God. So in conclusion, the Word of God brings conviction, it leads to repentance, but it also brings joy. The same Word of God that wounds also heals. The same Word of God that, that, that can convict you to the point where you're weeping about something could also bind up that broken heart. Do you want to know the secret of true joy for a Christian? Do you want to know the secret of true joy for a Christian? Very simple. It is to believe what God says in His Word and act upon it. Believe what God says in His Word and just simply act upon it. Faith that is not based on the Word of God is not faith at all. It's just a presumption or a superstition. Joy that is not the result of real faith is not joy at all, but just a temporary good feeling that you may get and it will soon disappear. If you want real joy and not a temporary good feeling, you need to be reading, studying, and hearing the truth of God. Reading and studying and learning from the Word of God. Even if that truth hurts, if that truth convicts at first, it will in the long run, long run bring true joy and lasting joy to your life. Don't settle for a, a life of, uh, I'm trying to say the right way to say this, of just nice Christian sounding words. It's just like fluff. You know, you just, just uh, there was a preacher out there, that are, I guess he, they call him a preacher that has lots of, he says lots of nice sounding things. He, he never really 
He won't be convicted with anything he says. He just says lots of nice sounding things. That's not how to live a true life. We need to live a life where we're in a preaching service where we get convicted, where we feel like we've got to repent of that. And we just feel that we're just, we have to just run up to the altar and confess that and get that right with God. We need that. We need that kind of preaching. Need that kind of, that's, that's the kind of book we have. That's the Bible. The Bible isn't all full of fluff, nice sounding things. It's full of stuff that will convict you. We need that. We need to be attentive to the book. It's not enough to just for us to, just to hear the teaching. It's not enough for just for us to hear the preaching. We need to be acting on it, seeking it out, responding to it like we should. Just as a farmer, if he is plowing and working diligently in his field, he finds a jar full of gold, he would truly rejoice. Working hard, working diligent in his field, he finds a jar full of gold, he's going to greatly rejoice over that. There are great treasures buried in the Bible. We need to diligently work hard at studying the Bible. Diligently work hard at meditating over the Bible and find those treasures for ourselves. And then greatly rejoice when you find that treasure. If we are attentive unto the book, we'll live a life of finding wonderful hidden treasures in God's Word. Dedicate this year to being attentive to the book and enjoy lots of treasure hunting of your own this year as you do. Let's pray, Lord.